Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today, we are going to hear from God. And today I'm believing that, um, I, I, I believe that God's given me a word to help make some sense of this situation. And so will you open your heart? Will you open your mind? And, um, and I want to kind of prophesy to you today. We're in this series called I'm Coming Out better. And can I just speak that over you? You are coming out of this situation better. It might not make sense what we're going through. It might not totally uh, be able to come together in our minds yet. But can I tell you this truth? I don't know how you came in, but how you're coming out is better. You might not know what that looks like. You might not even be able to figure out how that's going to happen. But I know that God is in this pandemic alongside of you. He has not abandoned you nor forgotten you. He has not left you to your own devices. He is with you. He's moving on you. He's forming you and you are coming out better. I hope you write this down where you can see it. Put it on a postcard. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it somewhere you where you can see and speak that over uh, speak that in faith over you. You might say, "Well, my feelings don't say that." Well, the Bible Bible says God is greater than my feelings and he knows everything. And so proclaim that truth, faith over your feelings. I'm coming out better. So part two of this series is where I want to speak to you about the concept of being developed in the dark, developed in the dark. For all of you that are taking notes, you got your Bibles and the tables in front of you, write that down, developed in the dark. Put it in the comments so you don't forget it. I want to read this, uh, this story to you. It's a really amazing story. It's where we first meet the prophet Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 through 4, we're going to read, we see that Elijah confronts the wicked king Ahab. This is the first time Elijah bursts on the scene, and what an incredible entrance it is. The Bible says, now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, as, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. It's a bold statement. And the word of the Lord came to him. And the word of the Lord said to Elijah, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. One more verse I want to read to you in, in the book of Psalm. This is an incredible Psalm, Psalm 91. I would encourage you, read this over and over. It's a, it's a psalm of provision, protection in times of pandemic and plague. Incredible psalm. We're going to read through the entire psalm today. But I would encourage you, Psalm 91, write that down so that you can read this over your life in this time. Psalm 91 begins like this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse three says, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, which means feathers. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we pray that you come and you speak. As I speak, may you speak to every single person under the sound of my voice on this stream, on later streams, podcasts, will you come and will you speak directly to us? God, help us make sense of what's going on in our heart and in our mind. When things don't line up, will you come and will you bring revelation that we might understand you? 
understand us and understand what you're doing in us in a greater way. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, everyone said amen, amen, and amen, amen. Today, I want to talk to you about God's development process. God's desire is to develop you into the person that he always created for you to be. And so he has a process that he's going to walk you through to reveal who you really are and who he made you to be on the inside. God has a development process. And I would propose to you today that God does his best work in the dark. He does his best work in dark places. He, he, he brings people to a private place before he reveals them in a public way. God develops in the dark. And, and you, might, you might think, as we all do kind of from a young age, that darkness is always negative. In fact, many times, and I, I believe this is maybe a problem that we have with our perspective, is that we, we associate darkness with defeat. We, we connect those two things. So if we find ourselves in a dark season or a dark place, we think it must be consequences. I must have done something wrong in order to be here. Or, or, or many times we, we associate darkness with abandonment. If it's dark right now, surely God couldn't be here. Surely God couldn't be present because I'm in a season where I'm, I'm under a cover of darkness. But Solomon tells us that God dwells in deep darkness. That in the midst of those moments of, of, in dark places, that God's presence will be present. And I believe he will be bringing provision, privacy, and process to you in the dark places, in the dark moments of your life. So, so I, would, I would encourage you to shift your perspective. Shift your perspective even on this pandemic. Could this moment of darkness really become a moment of development? Because God does his development in dark places. Here's the truth. God, everyone God has used mightily, he has plucked from a place of obscurity. Everyone that God has brought into a public ministry, he has brought through a private process. I mean, think about David. We spoke about David last week, and, and if you haven't heard that sermon, I would encourage you to go back, because I believe it was a, a prophetic word that you need to get in your spirit, and you need to let it sink deep down that God is going to bring you through some, some deep things, but you're going to come out better. We find David, it, when we first meet him, he's a shepherd boy out in the field, and the most important person in all of Israel, Samuel, the prophet, comes to David's home, and he's there to anoint the next future king. And David's father doesn't even think of his son. He, he doesn't even have him on his mind. He just brings out all the other sons saying, surely these must be one, the one that God wants to anoint. But isn't it interesting that God sends the prophet to anoint the person who the father had forgotten. Though his physical father had forgotten him, God the father had not forgotten him. He had him in a private place in a secluded area. He was a shepherd boy out in the field, and God says, I have brought you there so that I could work on you to bring you out from the field to anoint you. So, so if you know the story, God, Samuel said, we're not going to do anything until that young man comes here. When he came out of the field, he anointed him. Now that's where you think, now let's get going. Come on, I'm anointed. I'm ready to go. God, use me. Come on, I got a passion. I got a calling. Let's go. But hear me. Many times, 
There's a long period of waiting between anointing and appointing. Many times, there's a long period of waiting between a calling and a commission. Think about the disciples. Jesus came to them and said, follow me. But it wasn't until three and a half years later where Jesus said, go into all the world. Yes, David was anointed, but then he was instantly sent back into the fields. Then he was brought out and he killed Goliath. Now you might say, now's the moment. Come on, you killed the giant. What everyone else was afraid of, you stepped forward and you came at that thing. Now you're going to be king. And yet God pulled him into a private place again. King Saul, the tyrannical King Saul, began to try and kill the future King David. Kill God's anointed one. And so David had to go through a process of hiding for 10 years from cave to cave, from foreign country, living under foreign leaders as a refugee, afraid for his life. David hid. He was anointed at 17, but he wasn't appointed king until he was 37. In 10 of those years, he couldn't live in his own land or show his own face. 10 years of seclusion, of privacy, of God developing him in a dark place. Every single person that God has ever used in scripture, go ahead and look at the pattern, he has brought through this place of private obscurity. Think about Moses, remember him? He was on the backside of the desert for 40 years before God shows up and says, you're gonna be my leader. And Moses says, me, I'm 80 years old. I've been in the desert for 40 years. I can't lead anyone. And God says, you, weren't, you were not forgotten, you were secluded because I've been processing you to bring you out and I've still called you. Some of you might think I'm too young. David was 17. Some of you might think I'm too old. Moses was 80 years old. It's not about how old you are. It's about the process that you are going to go through before God can bring you into a public ministry. And your public ministry might not be a, uh, be a pastor, a teacher, or, 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 or uh, an intercessor. Your public ministry might be raising your children to love Jesus Christ. Your public ministry might be in your workplace where you are a light. But whatever your public ministry is, Know that God will bring you through a private place of obscurity before he brings you into your next level. Think about Gideon. When God finds him, he's hiding. Think about Ruth, who is waiting for Boaz for month after month after month. Think, think about Joseph, who went from the pit to the prison before he ever went to the palace. See, God will always bring you through a place of process, of development, private seclusion, before he ever releases you into your eternal calling. Development always happens before deployment. Even Jesus, we don't hear about his life for 30 years. And then when he's baptized by John the Baptist, he's instantly brought out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days in seclusion. Even Jesus went through these silent periods before his public ministry, why? Because development always happens before deployment. God's developing you right now. Even in these 10 weeks, I don't believe that this darkness has come on the earth from God, but I certainly know that God is present in the midst of darkness. And I believe that he can use this darkness, not that evil might reign, but that God might bring his covering over you and he might begin to develop you even through this situation that makes no sense. Because this is how he works. See, when you're going to develop film, it takes a process to get the film developed. I'm talking about real film. 
On your phone, you take a picture, instance, it's instantaneous. But if you are going to develop film, photograph, video film, it has to go through a certain process, certain steps in a certain time frame before the image that was captured with the camera could be revealed. Before it could be displayed, it has to go through the proper steps. And so, so the first step when you're going to be developing film, the first step is that you have to take the film into a dark place called a dark room. You bring the film into a dark room. There, you can take the film out. You can begin to unspool it. You can begin to lay it out. You choose what photographs you want to develop from the negatives. What negative are you going to turn into a positive? You unspool it and you choose. And once you've chosen your photographs, you can begin to bring it through a process. And there's many steps. You begin to add an, uh, a developing agent, a solution to the film on the film paper. You, you can begin to, you begin to uh, have to agitate the, the, the film. Make no mistake, some people, some situations, God will bring into your life to agitate you to agitate that thing in you that he wants to curate, that he wants to process, that he wants to develop, that he wants to remove so that he can reveal something greater. I'm grateful that God develops, agitates in dark places. I'm grateful that God brings us into a secluded place, a quiet place, a private place as he begins to process us. It's a grace to us, that God does his best work away from prying eyes. God says, I can't have everyone else's opinion interfere with my work, so I'm going to remove them from everyone else because they can't see what I can see in them, and they can't produce what I can produce in them, so they can't have an opinion on the process. God will remove you from a time, David, to the field, to the cave, and it might look like you're going backwards. It might look like you're going into a dark place. No, no. God's saying, I'm bringing you over here so that I alone can work with you. I'm thankful that God does his deepest work in private places. Because it's very difficult to be processed out in public. See, one of the problems with film is if you apply too much light to the film before it's ready. If excess light comes into the dark room, what will happen is the film will become overexposed. And when you, when you bring it out, if you bring it out into the light too soon, the overexposure will get rid of the detail. It will get rid of the nuance. The, the, the photo will become hazy. Things will become too bright, and it will ruin the image. See, some of us think God's not bringing us out into the light fast enough, when really God's doing a grace so that he can develop you not in front of everyone's opinions and everyone's eyes. It's very difficult to be developed publicly. You've seen it happen with young people who are talented. They're incredible, but yet they have to grow up in the bright lights. And it's so difficult for them to develop into who they are in the public eye. So God says, let me bring you where it's just you and me. And I'm going to add the right amount of light at the proper time. At the proper time. Why? Because God's goal is not to expose you. It's to develop you. His goal is not to put you up out in the public too soon. To make you who you really are. Yes, his goal is to display you. His goal is to release you. His goal is to use you. But, but know that he wants to do it at the proper time where it will be best for them and best for you. But there's something in us, right, that says, but God, come on. I'm called. I'm passionate. 
I've got opinions. I've got things to say. And the problem is many times we want to push against God's timing. Because, see, that's another element of properly processing film is as you bring it into a dark place and you agitate it and and you work on it, you have to give it time to develop. Well, we're not great with time. We're an instantaneous culture. We're a get-it-done culture. We're a let's-go culture. We get everything as fast as we could possibly get it. And yet God exists outside of time. He is the master of time. And I don't know if you know this, but God's got all the time in the world. And we're trying to move God along. Come on, God. Come on, I said use me. Come on, I'm called. Come on, I'm passionate. Come on, let's go. And many of us feel like, look, in my career, by 30, by 40, I want to be here. I want to be married. I want to have this many kids. I, I want to I be used like this. And, and many times we create our own time frame that is totally not existent from God's time frame. And if God went by our time frame, the problem is he would bring us out in public too soon. We'd become overexposed. We become useless. We wouldn't be able to handle the bright lights and still reflect God in the right way. So it's God's goodness that he says, let me do it in a dark place and let me give it a long time so that when I bring you out, it's on my timetable. When I bring you out, you'll be ready. When I bring you out, you'll be able to handle these next levels and next situations. God's process takes time. When you're developing film, you have to go through the process of cleaning out the film, getting any of the, of the agitators, any of the developing agents. You have, to, you have to wash it off and you have to make it clean before you bring it out. And then God lets it sit. you got to sit and, and dry off. And then, then God brings it out to display. Of course. Sometimes if, if, if you're in the process of darkness, the enemy will come in and he'll say, God's never going to use you. You're too old. It's been too long. It's not going to happen the way you thought it was. You might as well be going to a hopeless place. But let me tell you, that's the words of the enemy. God's got you. God loves you. God's goal is to display you, use you. His goal is to call you. His goal is for you to be a servant of the Most High. But don't rage against his process. As much as you can, humble yourself and then let God exalt you in the proper time, in the proper way. Because God knows what you can handle, and he has good things in store for you. And hear me, he will reveal you when he's ready and when you're ready. Yes, God is a developing God. And and the interesting thing about God's development process is this is not a one-time thing. He'll bring you through this process many different times for different areas of your life. In the story of Elijah, we see him burst on the scene, seemingly out of nowhere. He came out of obscurity, and he walks into the palace. (laughs) He walks right into the palace of Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king. And here's Elijah filled with boldness. He walks in, and he tells Ahab, from this moment on, there's going to be a drought until I say otherwise. You want to talk about a bold prophet. You want to talk about big words. And then right after this great moment where his ministry is launched, God God says to Elijah, now go and hide thyself. Hide thyself. But God, you just brought me out here. You just, you, just, you just finally displayed me. This thing's just beginning. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like God hit pause on an area of life that he just started using, that you just gained some traction on, that, he's just, that you just feel like I'm starting to come out better and now you hit pause again? 
See, God understands that development is a cycle. It is a process. And God will bring you out, but then he'll bring you back close to him and he'll say, but let's work on this next area now. Elijah came out, confronted Ahab, but God said, I got something greater for you to do, Elijah. And what God knew was that what was coming was Mount Carmel, where Elijah wasn't just going to confront Ahab. He was going to confront the nation of Israel and 800 false prophets, where Elijah was going to call fire from heaven. You want to talk about a big moment? That's a big moment in ministry. But God says, you're not ready for that yet. I need to process you before I bring you to the new place. And so, so God brought, brought uh, Elijah to a place called Cherith, a brook called Cherith. I looked up what Cherith means, and, and it means a cutting, a separation, a slaying, a death, a brook called Cherith. See, God will bring you into isolation to be his instrument of instruction. He'll bring you to a place of cherish so that he can curate you before he uses you. Especially he uses you to confront others. Jesus himself said, don't go around telling everyone what's wrong with them. Deal with the log in your own eye before you point out the splinter in someone else's eye. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, go to a place called cherish and cut away the things. Separate the things that are gonna hold you back. See, God is so good that he'll bring you into a place where he will be your provision. There was a drought going on, but God says, in the brook, there will be water. There was no food going on, but God said, I'll bring ravens to bring you food. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. I'll provide for you, but I'll process you as well. I'm going to cut some old attitudes out of you. I'm going to cut some old bitterness out of you. I'm going to cut some things out of you that are rotting, rotting attitudes, rotting hurt, he says, I'm going to heal some wounds. I'm, going to, I'm going to delete some areas of your life that you had let take in control. I'm, I'm going to bring a cutting, a separation. This is the concept of crucifixion. Jesus says, if you want to become a follower, follower of me, you're going to have to go through cherith. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your own cross, an instrument of death, and then you can follow me. What's Jesus saying? If you want to follow me, you're going to have to go through the process of development. You're going to have to go through the process of less of you and more of me. I'm going to curate you. I'm going to change you before I allow you to go to your next level. See, God knew that he was going to bring. See, Cherith isn't forever. And after a while, the brook dried up and God moved him on. But it's a moment where God says, I'm going to bring you through Cherith before I bring you to Carmel. I'm going to bring you through a processing before I release you for a moment of revival or leadership or change. Does that make sense? God doesn't just do it with great prophets. He does it with you. Does it with me. And there's a pattern to God's process. I mean, think about what Jesus did. The Bible says that Jesus would wake up early in the morning and that he would go into a wilderness place, a secluded place to pray. What's Jesus doing? He's showing us the pattern to the process of isolation and seclusion. He's showing us the development process. And, and, and many of us, because we won't do it on our own, God says, I'm going to have to use some situations to get you away, to communicate with you. But Jesus is showing, if you were to do it on your own, God will work with you in this place. He's showing us the pattern of getting with him and speaking to him and, and doing it over and over and over. Here's what Jesus is showing. Darkness and isolation equals the presence of God. And if Jesus needed to do it, how much more do we need to practice this? I think about the time when God brought Elijah, again, to a secluded place, uh, 
the, called the cave at Horeb, at Mount Sinai. See, it was after Elijah's great moment on Mount Carmel where he called down fire from heaven. What's the first thing God does? He removes him to a secluded place again. Are you seeing the pattern emerge? He brings him to the cave at Horeb. And, and, and Elijah, at this moment, he's depressed. He's down. He's frustrated. Out of his greatest victory, now, now Elijah's struggling with depression in the dark place. He's alone. He's isolated. And you know what Elijah begins to pray? He says, God, will you just kill me? I don't even want to live. Will you just kill me? I mean, he's having suicidal thoughts. And, and, and he's even expressing them to God. The man whose prayers were so powerful that when he prayed, it stopped raining. And when he prayed again, it started raining. Now he's praying for death. He's going through a dark place. I'm thankful that God doesn't answer every single prayer we pray. I'm thankful that God doesn't take seriously every thought we think. You know what's ironic? Elijah prayed that God would kill him. And God so didn't answer that prayer, he actually did the opposite. And Elijah is only one of only two men that we know in the Bible that never died. I think it's funny. God says, no, I'm going to do what I want to do with you. You're in my process. You're going through my will, not yours. When he was in that dark moment, God says, come away with me. Leave your, your disciples behind. Come away with me. He brings them to a cave at Horeb. And in this cave, he begins to pray, and God, God causes a fire to come on the mountain. And he causes wind to whip and begin to destroy the mountain. And he causes an earthquake on the mountain. Now, you would think that's when God's going to speak, right? Because, come on, as Christians, we love those grand moments. We love the fire. We love the wind. We love the earthquake. We love the big, loud churches and the services and the prophetic moments, right? We, we love when God shows up in grand ways, when he shows up in, with, with great moves and mighty moments, and we think, that's how God's going to speak. He's going to change me in one moment. And yet, God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He didn't speak through the wind. He calls Elijah to the front of the cave and he begins to whisper to him. It was in the silence that God speaks. It's in the darkness that his presence shows up. It's in isolation that he shows up. And he begins to whisper to the heart, the broken heart of Elijah. He begins to speak to his heart and his soul in a quiet way. I thought God only showed up at conferences. I thought God only showed up at churches. But are you telling me he shows up in caves? He'll show up in my bedroom. He'll show up in our living room. He'll show up in the middle of a pandemic. He'll show up in the middle of our fear and depression. Are you telling me that God will whisper to me if I get alone with him? See, this is what God is doing. He's speaking silently. It's not shouting, but he's speaking. When the waves whipped up, and the wind was going at a, at a frenzied pace. The disciples woke up Jesus saying, we're about to die. Jesus stands up and he says, peace, be still. Why? Because the one who has authority only needs to whisper. I wonder what God will whisper to you in this time. I wonder what he'll speak to you in this moment of isolation. If you allow it, don't fight it. If you allow it. I know it's confusing. I know it doesn't make sense. But if you could quiet your soul, what would God Speak to your future and your destiny. When you leave the noise, you might hear him. In 1994, there was, there was a blackout in Los Angeles. And um, everyone came out of their homes to figure out what was going on. 
They never experienced anything like this before. And, and when they looked up into the sky, not only did they see the sun and the moon, they saw stars in a pattern that they've never seen before. It was like a silver cloud. They didn't recognize what it was, so they called 911. Hundreds of residents called 911 to report strange silver clouds in the sky. What they were seeing was their own Milky Way galaxy. But because of man-made light pollution, they had never seen that before. It wasn't until darkness came that God revealed his creation. It wasn't until there was a moment of a darkness that things became clear. I pray in this darkness, it causes you to look up and see things you never saw before. I pray it causes you to look inward and that this darkness reveals things that you never knew were even there. When, when all of finance is shut down, when your career is put on pause, when the noise and busyness of life has been quieted, could God finally speak to us, reveal to us who we were really called to be all along? When you leave the noise, you might hear him. In the darkness, he reveals things that need to be dealt with or things that he wants to redeem for his purposes. There's a great man named Saul who became Paul. Saul, did, Saul started out as a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians. He was a Jewish believer, extremely smart, and, and he began to run after and persecute, throw believers in Christ in jail. That's how Saul got his start. Well, after he was done persecuting everyone in Jerusalem, Saul said, I'm going to go to Damascus, and I'm going to find the followers of the way there. And so on his way, on the road to Damascus, a, a, an event happened that, that interrupted his plans. Jesus himself showed up in brightness and in glory and knocked Saul off his horse, and he began to speak to Saul, and it says, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, I, I've never persecuted you. But Jesus said, when you've persecuted my body, you've persecuted me, which is a whole nother sermon for a different time. But what God, what Jesus is saying is me and the bride, we're one. When you've persecuted them, you've done it to me. Incredible. Saul realizes that he had just spoken with God. And in that moment, what did Jesus do? He blinded him. Interesting. The first thing Jesus did after he revealed himself is he plunged Paul who was Saul at that time, into darkness. He was blinded. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to, where to go. The, the Bible says he was had, they had to lead him by the hand into the city. This mighty man, this persecutor, now was having to be led like a lamb into the city. He couldn't look around and ask for anyone else's opinion. He couldn't try and put piece it together. Here he was in darkness waiting for clarity to come. God spoke to one of the believers in the city. One of the believers, mind you, that Saul came to arrest, persecute, maybe even kill. God speaks to the believer, Ananias, and he says, go and pray for Saul because I'm going to use him. And Ananias tells God, God, he hates me. He wants to kill me. But God says, but I've got a greater plan for him. He's in darkness right now. Will you go and will you walk him into the light? Ananias shows up, and when he prays for Paul, the Bible, the Bible says something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes. But wouldn't you know that it didn't end there? That Saul went into the desert for three years and then was sent to Tarsus, which is where he came from, for another 10 or 11 years. 14 years, we don't hear a word from Saul. 14 years, we don't get one letter. 14 years of silence, 
of solitude. 14 years that historians call the lost years of the Apostle Paul. But really, what was happening in those 14 years was God was developing him in the dark. He was preparing him in the silent place. He was revealing things to him. He was speaking to him in the midst of his solitude. God doesn't just do it for Saul. He'll do it for you. And 14 years later, a man named Barnabas remembered him. And he brought Saul out of Tarsus. Do you know what Tarsus means? Tarsus means winged, means feathered. See, all that time, Saul wasn't in a darkness of evil. He was under the covering of the Almighty. He was being put through a process of incubation. When Saul came out of Tarsus, the believers in Jerusalem put their hands on him. They anointed him. And he went on his first missionary journey. And that's when he said, don't call me Saul anymore. Call me Paul. He went in as Saul the persecutor. But when he came out of that moment of development, he was Paul the apostle. God wants to change you in the dark places. God wants to speak to you. He wants to remove things from you. He wants to transform you. And he will do it under his covering and under his provision. But if you want to be used by God, you must undergo his process of development. I'm coming to a close here, but I want to remind you of the creation story. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, right at the beginning of the Bible, the Bible talks about how the earth was before God began the creative process. The Bible says that in the beginning, there was God, but there was also darkness and void. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God began to move over the face of the waters. It's a picture, as Psalm, as Psalm has been saying, it's, it's a picture of like, of like a bird over their eggs. It's a picture of incubation, preparation for God to bring life, preparation for God to bring creation. Yes, there was darkness. Yes, there was void. But God was present even in the darkness. God was moving over the face of the waters. He was incubating, preparing for life to come out on the other end. I want you to know you might be in a secluded place. You might be sheltering, but I want you to know you are in the refuge. You are in the fortress of God, and his, his wings are covering you. He's incubating you. And what's going to be on the other side? Life, and life more abundantly. Creativity. He's going to use you in a new way. Know this. You're coming out better. He's there in the darkness, and he's still working in the darkness. He's still moving in the darkness. And he still brings forth life out of the darkness. Think about yourself, your body. He formed you in the dark. Look at what the psalmist says. 139, he says, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And he goes on, and he says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You were formed in your mother's womb by the hand of God, formed in the darkness. He's the designer that works in darkness. And here's his promise to you. 
just as he developed the earth in darkness, just as he developed your body in darkness, he'll develop your mind, your character, your spirit, your emotions. He'll develop it even in dark places. Darkness does not mean abandonment by God. In fact, I believe moments of darkness, seasons of darkness, is where God does his best work. His promise is that he's still gonna, he's still going to process you, work with you. And Philippians reminds us, saying, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He has not forgotten nor abandoned you. He has not left you to wallow in self-pity in seasons of dark, darkness or in dark places. No, he began the good work. He's going to continue the good work, and he's going to finish the good work in you. He's going to finish the good work in our church, our community, with our children and our families, our hopes and our dreams. God's going to walk through the process with you and reveal you at the other end. God does his best work in dark places. I want to read this psalm to you in its entirety. I believe it's going to bless you and speak to you. Psalm 91. I'd encourage you, let these words just wash over you. Beginning in verse 5, he says this. So, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and on the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, says the Lord, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's the promise of God. He wants to show you his salvation. No, he has not forgotten you. Do not believe for a moment in that lie. He remembers you. He works on you. He processes you. And he will show you what his salvation really looks like. Salvation in your mind, in your legacy. Salvation in your emotions, in your spirit. Life on top of life. God wants to show you his salvation. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.